Welcome to Buzz House, a Baker Tilly podcast where you can hear all the buzz around multifamily housing with all the info you need to help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Hi, I'm Don Bernards, the partner in charge of Baker Tilly's multifamily housing practice. And I'm Gary Gibson, a partner at Baker Tilly, specializing in consulting on tax incentivized multifamily housing transactions across the country. Today, we'll be diving into Baker Tilly's quarterly real estate report, focusing on the multifamily section. Here to chat with us about the report is Brent Mayer, the National Real Estate Valuation and Advisory Leader within Baker Tilly's Real Estate Advisory Services team. We're excited to have Brent on the show again. He comes around quarterly. Today, he'll shed light on the challenges that 2022 brought go over the major trends and takeaways for 2023, and explain why we should be optimistic in the long run. Before turning it over to Brent, we just have a few updates from around the industry. Bank of America announced to invest up to $150 million with enterprise community partners with a goal of preserving more than 3,000 units of affordable and middle-income housing. According to the Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University's 2022 State of the Nation's Housing Report, home prices rose 20.6%, from March of 2021 to March of 2022, and rents jumped on average by 12%. This is part of the multifamily housing industry where we have seen more and more resources come to the table to preserve this workforce housing, given these large increases in home prices and rental rates. In other news, HUD is soliciting input on standardizing rental assistance program regulations. Currently, HUD issues several different renewal contracts subject to, of course, different regulations. To reduce these regulatory complexities, HUD plans to work with owners, tenants, and other program stakeholders to develop a single Section 8 program regulation for Section 8 contract renewals. A HUD document called an Advanced Notice on Proposed Rulemaking is out, posing 11 specific questions and asks for general comments. Comments are due to HUD April 3rd. We can have a link to that on our website here, and also you could Google that as well. So I think that's very exciting for the industry. I will close out with a couple of bills that would create or reinstate state tax credits. Always kind of exciting, something that Garrick and I talk about a lot. In Minnesota, legislation was introduced that would reinstate the state historic tax credit. It would match the amount of the federal historic tax credit, or a grant could be issued in lieu of the credit for 90% of the value. In Illinois, a bill in the House of Representatives would create a state low-income housing tax credit with an annual cap of $35 million. About 75% would be allocated to IDA. Illinois Housing Development Authority, and about 25% would be allocated to the City of Chicago Department of Housing. Again, we'll watch the progress with both of these and keep you updated as they move forward, hopefully, for those states. Now, very excited to jump into our discussion with Brent, and I'm going to turn it over to Garrick. Garrick? Thanks, Don, and welcome back to Buzz House, Brent. For the benefit of our listeners, before we get into questions, why don't you give a quick introduction to your role here at Baker Tilly? Happy to. Thanks, Garrick and Don, for having me on. We provide valuation and advisory services to real estate owners, investors, and users typically in and around transactions or events to assist them as part of their acquisitions or reporting process with services such as due diligence, modeling, site selection, valuations, scenario evaluations, appraisals, and strategy. Thanks for that intro. So let's dive right in. One of the first topics you address in the report is the current economic outlook. So how would you describe the economic situation at present? And in broad terms, how does that actually affect multifamily housing? Sure. So we're at a little bit of a crossroads in terms of where we sit on the economy. 
certain sectors are performing okay, while other sectors, I think you could say, are already in a recession. One being technology, another one maybe being finance. We've seen a lot of headlines in the technology space in terms of labor force reduction or layoffs. The difficult part of recessions is actually knowing when they start. And typically, you don't know that you were in a recession until well after the fact. So we may be in a recession now or even coming out of it. So I think the, the key things to watch are the labor markets. There was a report earlier this month. The labor market still is strong. We added over 5,000 jobs, pushing the unemployment rate to its lowest level in over 50 years. However, there are expectations that the overall labor market will likely weaken later this year. So something to watch out for. The U.S. consumer drives 70% of our GDP. So obviously a large contributor to the overall economy. There was a report from the Commerce Department this week that indicated sales in January rebounded and actually increased year over, which is positive in terms of the economy and the overall direction. So we'll keep an eye on that. Another thing that I think will help drive the economy are the Fed funds. They've tapered or decelerated their increase. We saw a decrease in mortgage rates, which I think will bring back buyers into the market. So I think we'll see a moderate uptick in the housing market here in the near term. So it's hard to say exactly, but uh, I would say as of now, the Fed was targeting a soft landing. It looks like they may have I've actually pulled that out. The hard part, though, and as I always say, is the geopolitical issues could change the landscape overnight with the war in uh, Ukraine, the tensions between China, Taiwan, and the U.S. So stay tuned. Well, I mean, I guess it, it wasn't all negative. There is some positives in there. You did say the word recession. So now I'm going to say another word, inflation. So real estate cost inflation soared in 2022. It finally started to trend downward at the end of the year. So how bright are your hopes about real estate cost inflations in 2023? I'm an optimistic person by nature, so I'm optimistic. But I think what that looks like is inflation is going to moderate. And while it may not be at that 25 or 3% that the Fed is targeting, it's going to come down from the 8 or 9% that we saw in 2022. I think things that are helping contribute to that are, you know, the supply chain and logistics channels have improved. One large contributor is China opened their economy. So it will help with certain items coming overseas. So I'm generally uh, optimistic, but I still think costs are going to be up year over year. Ben, thanks very much for that. And right, and you talked about inflation, recession and so forth, kind of jumping into multifamily. Again, 2022 was was challenging, right? With Supply chain, the inflation you mentioned, rising interest rates. As you said, many sectors of the real estate economy were, were kind of down, were kind of suffering. But yeah, it seems like that multifamily industry remains strong. What are really some of those fundamentals that just kind of keep this multifamily industry just like, you know, tune along and just a positive place to look at and invest? There are several factors, but the one probably largest driving factor are the fundamentals of the underlying operations of each of these properties and that. The tenants are still paying their rent. There's a lot of demand for rental space or communities. And I don't think we're going to see that subside here in the near future. So I think the underlying fundamentals are driving a lot of that. The other attraction to multifamily is the ability to react to inflation much quicker than some of the other investment choices that you might have in other property types. For example, those that have triple net leases, you can't adjust for inflation 
every year as you can in a multifamily property. You can do it every three, five, or seven years or whatever the case may be. The fact that you can increase rents year over year to reflect inflation, I think, is attractive. Demographics are also shifting in terms of the number of renters. Bloomberg reported earlier this month that the number of affluent renters have increased over 80% just since the pandemic. So I think more people are choosing to rent and people are choosing to rent longer. And I think this is all contributing to the attraction to the space. And just kind of talking about, again, kind of the additional you know number of units, it just seems like we can't produce enough units. I think you, you mentioned that in October 26th article from the National Association of Realtors, there's 893,000 multifamily units under construction. There's another 800,000 you know, single family homes. So you think with all that demand or all those units coming out, we know there's continued low vacancy rates. How does the uptick in all these new units kind of reconcile, I guess, with rent growth? So this is one that's going to get played out in the local markets, and it's really hard to provide a blanket statement. You know, generally, we do see things get overbuilt, right, as people tend to react too slowly to the market. But really, this is going to be played out at the individual market level. Coming in to the pandemic, we were well short on housing needs, and that really hasn't changed. It's, it's just been exasperated, right, given the slowdown in construction throughout the pandemic. So I think it's a TBD on this. We'll wait and see. And I really think it's going to play out in each market and whether you have land available or sites available for development or redevelopment versus those that are restricted in terms of availability. And Brent, and continuing with our discussion, so after 2021's unprecedented national rent growth rate of 17.6%, 2022, it looked a little more normal in terms of its growth, clocking in at 3.8% for the year. But according to Apartment List January National Rent Report, Realtor.com shared a November rental report that rents were decreasing significantly in some belt markets. So why have these markets been a primary driver of rent and value appreciation in this segment over the last couple of years? So there are several moving factors here. I think one, the rent decrease may be a factor of over-increasing. So really they're normalizing or adjusting back to maybe what it should be. And again, remember, this is on the heels of record rent growth. Some of these markets saw over 20% rent increases. So I think if you normalize or look at five-year trend, you would still see a healthy rent increase from the base year. I think other things that are contributing to these markets, I think the labor or job outlook is favorable in a lot of these markets. A lot of companies are relocating or expanding in these markets. I think of the Texas Austin market, right, with Tesla and other SpaceX going into Texas So there are a lot of job prosperity or attraction for labor. And then the weather. We can't forget about the weather. It's the Sun Belt for a reason. And I think people took the pandemic as an opportunity to relocate with the remote workforce to these different areas. And so I think we've seen a demographic shift, right, that had been ongoing for years, but the pandemic kind of accelerated as it did with other areas. And that kind of describes sort of the, that Sunbelt market issue right here. But can you delve a bit more into the dynamics that actually drove that massive multifamily value growth shifting in that latter part of uh, 2022? I think what I would say is if we take ourselves back to the summer of 2022, we were being told that inflation was transitory. I guess coming into the summer, that's what we we're being told. Then I think it was acknowledged in the summer, the Fed increased rates 75 bips, and they did several times going into the fall. 
So I think investors viewed multifamily as a hedge against inflation, also coming on the heels, right, of record rent increases. So I think really it was the underlying fundamentals, both of the demand, the supply, as well as a hedge against the inflation. Kind of switching over to vacancies, something obviously people watch all the time. And vacancies, again, we talked about the new supply coming on, both homeownership and rental. And, you know, vacancy looks like it's, according to the report, is kind of ticked up to, I think it was quoted at 5.9%, which is still below, right? Still below, I think, pre, pre-pandemic levels and so forth. What are you kind of seeing the reasons behind, you know, kind of ticking up a little bit the vacancies and, and what kind of trends do you, do you anticipate here in 2023? I think vacancy increase is attributed to several factors. One, the single family housing market was white hot last summer. I think people anticipated mortgage rates were increasing. And at that time, mortgage rates were really still at historic lows. So taking maybe potential renters out of their multifamily properties into home ownership, obviously an increase in supply. A lot of the properties that we saw come online last year leased up very quickly. And then I think the other contributing factor is coming into the fall which is a busy, busy time to renew or enter new leases. I think people are delaying rental decisions based on either their individual situation or the outlook for their jobs. I think there was some uncertainty coming into the fall. Very good. Very good. Switching gears a little bit, Brent, to, you know, kind of overall transaction, you know, level activity. Again, multifamily seems to remain relatively strong, right, compared to other real estate sectors. Any highlights or takeaways just from kind of the, the transaction list you list out or have seen? We certainly noted a slowdown in overall transaction activity in, in the fourth quarter. And I think that's largely driven by the rapid increase in the cost of debt, coupled with the uncertainty of what 2023 would look like. I think being halfway through the first quarter of 2023, there's a lot of optimism coming into the back half of the year. There is a lot of capital on the sidelines waiting to get to deployed into uh, opportunities. I think what we really need is for the buy-sell gap to close between buyer willingness to enter into transactions and seller's expectations. So I think as those start to migrate towards some normalized level, we'll see an increase in transaction activity. As far as it relates to multifamily sector, the underlying fundamentals are still strong. Deals are still getting done. There's still financing out there. So my expectation is, and I'm optimistic, that we're going to see an increase in activity coming into the back half of the year. Awesome. That's good news. So as we wrap up this episode, Brent, let's look at some of the major trends and takeaways for multifamily noted by the actual report. We'll name a trend and you can fill us in on it, all right? So let's start with single family. This rental market remains pretty well positioned. And next we have very low cap rates and declining rents. These indications could signal risk, I imagine. And finally, long-term supply and demand fundamentals remain favorably. Can you comment on, on these items? So the single family rental market is really kind of coming into its own. I think it's going to be a larger player in the multifamily or housing sector. I think we're still seeing that come into maturity. So admittedly, I think people are still learning about the sector, but I think people are optimistic and that's why there's a lot of smart capital coming in and chasing those opportunities. As far as cap rates, you know, those have ticked up slightly. However, you know, they've obviously not matched what the cost of debt has done. So we'll see again. Deals are still getting done. They're still financing. The underlying fundamentals, particularly in multifamily, are very strong. So we'll see if cap rates trend 
up or if they hold steady, I think it's still a very attractive situation for buyers. Could it signal risk? Certainly. If we get into a situation where there is a deep recession or some geopolitical event, I guess we'll wait to see how that plays out. But there's risk in everything in terms of real estate. And then the long-term supply and demand fundamentals. Yeah, I think they remain favorable. Again, I think this will get played out in the local markets, just as I'm sure there will be some overbuilding in some markets and there won't be enough supply in others. So I, I think that's going to be a market by market situation. Very good, Brent. No, thanks, thanks for your insights on those. Brent, before we end the show, any, any other highlights or anything else you want to share with listeners until we bring you back for the first quarter? No, I appreciate you having me and uh, I'm optimistic for 2023 and look forward to uh, what lies ahead. That's it for this episode of BuzzHouse. A big thanks to Brent Mayer for joining us in the show today, discuss the quarterly real estate report and what can teach us about the multifamily market and looking ahead in 2023. Once again, I'm Don Bernards. And I'm Garrett Gibson. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For additional resources around multifamily housing, check out bakertilly.com. If you have a suggestion for the show, email us at buildabakertilly.com. That's B-U-I-L-D at bakertilly.com. See you next time on Buzz House.